0: So the reading today is taken from Mark chapter 3, sorry, chapter 2, verses 23 to chapter 3, verse 6, and is found on the Church Bibles on 1004. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Viv, and good morning. Uh, Let me pray as we begin. Chapter 2, verse 25, Jesus answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? Our Heavenly Father, as we come to hear you speaking in your words this morning, we are humbled, humbled by Jesus' rebuke to the Pharisees. Though the Pharisees were zealous and knew your word, they had failed to understand it and apply it properly. We ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you might please open the eyes of our hearts to your word this morning. Please show us more of Jesus, the life-giving Lord of the Sabbath. In his name we pray. Amen. I'd like to begin with a question for you this morning, and it is this. Where do you look for rest? Where do you look for rest? I don't mean the rest of a good night's sleep. I don't mean the rest of a week's half-term holiday. I mean deep and lasting rest. Complete the following sentence and it may help you in answering your question. I will only be able to truly rest when. What? I will only be able to truly rest when I secure a job. I retire from work. I find friends or a relationship. I have the UCAS predicted grades needed to secure my chosen university. My son or daughter has the chosen uh, university and UCAS grades predicted to get to their chosen university. Having children, uh, escaping from a problematic friendship or an abusive relationship. And if that is you, please do not leave here without speaking to somebody about it. Maybe this is your first time at church and you're looking in on Christian things and you're looking for an answer to this question. Where do I find rest? I will only be able to truly find rest when I've cleaned up my life, when I'm free from my burdens and the guilt of past wrongs. Now, many, of course, here would, would call ourselves Christians. And we know that rest, a profound intimacy with God, is not found uh, in any of those things that we, we initially thought about. Job security. Job security. Uh, grades, educational outcomes, relationships, uh, other people. But instead, I dare say that there is a Christian, an Emmanuel uh, Chesham-sounding answer. I will only be able to find true rest when I get back to the routine of a daily quiet time. I will only be able to find true rest when I attend the monthly Emmanuel Prairie meeting. I will only be able to find true rest when I'm serving regularly, serving tea and coffee, cleaning, leading a children's group, marshalling the car park. I'll only be able to find true rest when I have a well-thought-through theological position on this or that issue. Where do you look for rest? Now, I think this was a question for Mark's first readers, too. Uh, They likely lived in the mid-first century AD, and they were probably Roman Christians, under some pressure from persecution of Emperor Nero in Rome. And with that pressure would come this question of where true and lasting rest could be found. And under threat, I suspect the temptation was to look for rest in uh, some kind of religious system, a collective comfort in uh, reassurance and identity in a particular way of doing things. And in that respect, I don't think the Christian first readers of Mark's Gospel are so different to us and in this uh, section of mark's gospel that viv read for us we we get two scenes and the central character in both is our lord jesus christ and their point of connection is the jewish sabbath their day of rest and jesus reveals the pharisees wrong uh, understanding of the purpose of the law with respect to the sabbath And in doing so, I think Jesus exposes our own default position to a religious way of doing things. True rest is not found in a list of things to be done or not done. It's not about obeying a Sabbath. No, true rest is found in the life-giving Lord of the Sabbath. That's where we're to look for rest, to Jesus, the life-giving Lord of the Sabbath. So let's dive into our passage together as Jesus invites us to find a true rest in him. And so point number one this morning, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Read with me from verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. Uh, We can picture the scene. Jesus and his disciples have just been along to the Sabbath synagogue meeting, rather like a gathering here at Emmanuel. On the way home, they're a little bit peckish. Uh, There isn't Tesco Express across the road. Uh, There's no Abra Kebabra next door. Uh, Instead, there are cornfields, and they are ripe with the harvest. I expect it's rather the way some of the fields around here in the Chilterns look in the late summer. And as the disciples walk along, they pick... Uh, at the ears of corn and verse 24 this is met with objection the pharisees said to him look why are they doing what is unlawful on the sabbath keeping the sabbath was and still is a vital part of jewish identity in the old testament uh, law the sabbath was a weekly reminder of god's people uh, that their rest was found in him And the fabrics of that that Sabbath are woven into the very fabric of of creation, the origins of the Sabbath, woven into the fabric of creation. Back in Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth in six days. If humans, the pinnacle of creation, were made in God's image on that sixth day, the purpose, the goal of creation is that seventh day rest. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Genesis chapter two then gives us a picture of what true Sabbath rest uh, looks like. It's not doing nothing. In fact, it's, it's a relationship really. It's a status to be enjoyed by Adam and Eve. It's humanity living in right relationship with God in the Garden of Eden in this context, the place of his blessing. But of course, we know the story then in Genesis 3 and read of Adam and Eve rebelling against God. And in his judgment, God banishes Adam and Eve from his presence, from his Sabbath rest. Adam and Eve are put out of the Garden of Eden, away from God's presence, away from his blessing, Now, that could have been the end of humanity's relationship with God, Uh, and yet it's not. In his great kindness, God chose a people for himself, uh, and he promised that people a return to that Sabbath rest. And in the story of the Exodus, we get a trailer of how that uh, restoration will take place. Uh, And God commands his people in in Exodus then chapter 20, in, in the Ten Commandments, that they are to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And a little bit further on in Exodus, we then get some clarification of what is meant uh, by not working on the Sabbath. Even during the ploughing season and harvest, you must rest. Well, back in Mark 2 then, uh, it seems to be that the Pharisees are objecting objecting to the fact uh, that Jesus' disciples are harvesting on the sabbath picking ears of corn uh, classed as reaping Uh, because to make sure that they weren't breaking the rules the pharisees had actually come up with a list of 39 additional rules of activities banned on the sabbath and reaping uh, was among them far from being true rest keeping the sabbath had become by jesus's day an exhausted list of do's and don'ts uh, now, just this week, I was reading about the chief rabbi, um, and he will have a, a sleepover with King Charles III uh, next May in order to attend his coronation, because the coronation is happening on a, on a Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, and according to those 39 additional laws uh, for Shabbat, uh, traveling is is banned, it's forbidden on the Sabbath, and so, so the chief rabbi will walk from, from the sleepover at Clarence House to Westminster Abbey. Uh, That is uh, part of the rules that that Israel, Jewish people, still keep. But to this strict policing of the Sabbath by the Pharisees, Jesus responds with a story. And it's taken from 1 Samuel and chapter 21. In that part of God's Old Testament history, Um, uh, David is on the run from King Saul. And Jesus picks up the story in verse 25. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Now, we're not told in 1 Samuel 21, or indeed Mark 2, that these events took place on the Sabbath. It appears to be that Jesus is making a more fundamental point about the Old Testament law. David and his companions... Uh, were doing something forbidden by the letter of the law. Uh, the bread of the presence was uh, lawful only to be eaten by the priests. And yet here David and his, his band of merry men eat it and Jesus vindicates them. There's no suggestion that they did anything wrong. And indeed by rebuking the Pharisees, Jesus in a way is, is commending David. David has got the law right. David understood The true merciful heart of God behind the law. And the Sabbath was just one, albeit highly significant, aspect of that law. Verse 27, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given by God for Israel. The Sabbath was never intended to be something done for God by Israel. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given by God as a day of rest. It was a reminder to Israel, as we've seen, of their true rest and identity in him. The Sabbath was to be a blessing, not a burden. And verse 28, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord even over something so fundamental to Israel's self-identity as the Sabbath. Now this is an astonishing claim to authority. Jesus is saying that the Sabbath, part of the blueprint of creation, was created in and through him. And the whole purpose of that day, that Sabbath rest, uh, was to enjoy him and his lordship. And it, this sets Jesus up in direct opposition to those that he is speaking with. The Sabbath is on Jesus' terms, for it is his, not the Pharisees. The Pharisees have twisted, they've misunderstood the Sabbath. But Jesus restores it to its rightful place. It's to be a delight, not a duty. Liberation, not legalism. A rest not crushing responsibility and it's all about jesus where do we need to hear this call to rest in jesus this morning think back to your first response i will only be able to truly rest when now many of those things we thought about are good gifts from god work educational outcomes friends family but they're not where true, profound spiritual rest are to be found. True rest is in Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. As a church, where do we uh, make good disciplines of the Christian life about doing for God rather than about what he has done for us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ? The quiet time where, like the Pharisees, uh, we read and we know the story, but we fail to see and appreciate Jesus. The dashing about, cramming the diary with uh, church events, yet failing to recognise that we're serving a living person who first gave his life to serve us. The well-considered theological position leading to visible differentiation that doesn't lead to a greater love for jesus and his way of living stop come to jesus find true rest in him for jesus is lord of the sabbath point number two then this morning jesus is the life-giving lord of the sabbath If Mark were a film, uh, the camera now cuts into the synagogue uh, one Sabbath, chapter 3 and verse 1. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And what we're about to witness Jesus do serves uh, to illustrate his authority as Lord of the Sabbath. Mark arranges his material to give us this miracle which testifies to Jesus' teaching and his identity. And notice that as Jesus is making these ever-increasing claims about himself, so opposition to him is growing. This has been happening all the way through this little section of of Mark's account of the gospel. And here Mark gives us an explicit uh, insight into the Pharisees' motives. Verse 2, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. And so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. There's no need to watch closely because Jesus is about to do it in full public display. Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Jesus knows the heart and he knows the motive of those who are watching on and so he confronts them. Verse 4, Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remain silent. In look, he looked around at them, verse five, in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. In the immediate restoration of jesuss uh, not Jesus' hand, this man's hand, Jesus is proving that he is Lord of the Sabbath. And yet I think this healing is actually doing more than that. It's more than simply attesting to Jesus' authority. It's giving us a little picture, a visual aid, if you like, to the true Sabbath rest that Jesus has come to bring. The man's shriveled hand is a picture of a broken world. It's a picture of a world which is out of step with our Creator. And today, Remembrance Sunday offers, I think, much the same illustration We remember the horrors of conflict, past and present, and we're reminded of the reality of pain and suffering in this fallen world. But wonderfully, graciously, Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, has arrived. He heals the shriveled hand with the power of a word. The Lord of the Sabbath has come with authority to restore the world to Sabbath rest. Jesus has come to do good jesus has come to give life and the man's hand completely restored gives us a taste of that good life-giving rest Now my, my grandmother uh, was a wonderful uh, baker and cake decorator you will be very jealous if you saw my bertie the bus third birthday cake uh, when I used to visit my grandparents' house, uh, there was very often a spoon to lick, to have a taste of the, the mixture, you know, when you, you've been baking. Uh, maybe some of you prefer that, actually, to the finished product. But the leftover mixture just gave a taste of what the cooked cake w- would turn out to be like. But that's all it was, really. It was, it was just a taste, a taste which gave a longing uh, for the finished cake. And with patience, uh, a wonderful, even better tasting cake would emerge from the oven. And the restoration of uh, the man's hand um, is a little bit like licking the, the cake bowl, if you will. It's giving us a wonderful taste of the true Sabbath rest that Jesus has come to bring. And there's an invitation from the Lord Jesus to enjoy that rest now. But in this life, it is just a taste. Uh, It's a taste of the full and final rest that we'll enjoy in eternity. Sabbath rest can begin this morning, but only in God's perfect new world will we enjoy the fullness of his presence and his blessing. Uh, Revelation chapter 21. uh, We've already heard part of it from Martin this morning. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. Isn't that a wonderful vision of the future? A wonderful picture of future Sabbath rest. Very well, uh, but how? How do we enjoy that Sabbath rest? Uh, the shrivelled hand and the restoration of this man's hand was one man 2,000 years ago at 2,000 miles from Chesham. How do Mark's first readers, how do we, enjoy that rest and i think the clue is in verse six now i've heard one preacher describe this verse as being the most shocking verse in the entire bible jesus has just performed an awesome miracle at verse five this man's hand restored in an instant and mark begins verse six then then everybody praised god then everybody marveled at the authority of Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse six, then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. What? This is truly a shocking response, isn't it? Not just are these people plotting to kill Jesus, but actually they're enemies with each other as well. Uh, The Herodians and the Pharisees, to say that they didn't get on is is a bit of an understatement. And yet here, they're united in this shockingly violent opposition to Jesus, who is doing good, who is giving life. And there's a profound irony here, isn't there? That these are the same Pharisees who nine verses ago were concerned about the uh, the disciples picking ears of grain. Uh, And now they're about to violate the law by committing murder. Friends, Jesus' exposure of human religion leads to a totally irrational uh, response. And yet this is not beyond God's sovereign control. Uh, For in this plotting, we eventually see Jesus being condemned to death. They do kill Jesus. And it's in that shocking violence that we can share in his sabbath rest it is through the death of our lord jesus christ on the cross that our sin is judged it is through the death of our lord jesus christ on the cross cross that relationship with god is restored it's through the death of our lord jesus christ on the cross that we can enjoy that genesis 2 sabbath rest jesus is the life-giving Lord of the Sabbath. So where do you look for rest? You will only be able to truly rest when? You will be only able to truly rest when you respond to Jesus, the life-giving Lord of the Sabbath. Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we we praise you that you are the life-giving Lord of the Sabbath. We thank you that by taking God's judgment for our sin upon the cross, you invite us into your rest. We pray that you would please correct our wrong thinking about where true rest is to be found. Would we be those who are not so caught up in doing that we fail to enjoy the rest that is found only in you? For your glory we ask it. Amen.